And we are kicking off our 15th and final episode of the season. I'm your host, Jason Duway, alongside with me, head coach Frank Monica. This is the Let's Be Frank video podcast, and it's been an exciting year of action for you. We've gotten to cover a lot of topics, coach, and now we're in the, the final stretch, and it was a great set of games in the Superdome. We're going to preview some bowl matchups and uh, discuss some other topics that we've we normally do. We'll have football one-on-one. We'll have our question of the week. And, of course, we're going to have special guest, head coach Dwayne Jenkins of Lutcher, who just won a state title, and he's won quite a few there at Lutcher. But, again, a, a very exciting show. And, is it, Coach, it feels like we just started this yesterday, and it's, it feels like it's been a very quick uh, ride for us, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, no question. We started way back in August, but you know what? I talked to a lot of officials. I was happy to be, I had the pleasure of being on the Superdome floor for the championships, especially the SEC game in Dunham. And I talked to a couple of the higher ranking officials. I said, you know, this was a test balloon. This format was a pretty good test balloon. So you guys really need to evaluate it because we had a lot of great matchups in the Superdome, which they didn't have in the past year. So um, I, I think that the, they need to look at this and say, hey, this pretty much works. So we need to kind of keep this format going or something similar to that because I think there will be some things on the agenda that will probably maybe, uh, I think, alter this uh, scenario. But you're right. We, uh, we had some great games. Yeah, and we'll kind of get into the numbers a little bit later. I, I did a little bit of research and describing, we mentioned last week, could this be potentially a way to gauge what the future looks like? Um, the, the numbers seem to be in favor of it, so we'll kind of go from there uh, after we look at these games. But, Coach, starting out, we had Destran taking on Rustin. Destran was a team that was banged up uh, from what I've heard, and you know, finding a way to win against a very tough Rustin ball club, a game went that went down to the wire. Destran's defense kind of coming up clutch in the end of the ball game there, but it wasn't really surprising to see the way they were able to finish the job. A lot, maybe some people skeptical a few weeks back, but what a run it was for Marcus Scott and his Wildcats this year. Well, you know, they, they, we had him on, and defense was the name of the game. You know, they were averaging over forty something points all through the district. But all of a sudden, in their last three ball games, it was all about their defense. They picked off two passes, and they were great plays. It just weren't balls that just thrown in their lap, and they were able to hold on to Rustin. I really thought Rustin was going to be a little bit bigger football team, but actually, Destran was bigger than they were, and they had a little bit more speed. And and, and you know, uh, Jai Eugene comes up with a big, big play, uh, and that's what you expect for, for a guy that's going to go on the college ball. That's what you expect from the best players in the field. But but uh, kudos to Destran, another River Parish team. Winning the state championship and uh, just says a lot about the expectations on the river. And the first of three that we're going to talk about tonight, as again, Lutcher um, was able to find their way in the win column as well. 28 to 25 win over North DeSoto in the Division II non select side of the bracket. Coach, we looked at the brackets very early on. We discussed this during the regular season. Lutcher seemed to be just a team of destiny. It seemed like no matter where you slice it, they were going to play for a title and they were going to win it. We knew what they had at quarterback in, in uh, Duane Winfield. And, you know, they proved to be the better team in that game and just a, a hard-fought win for Lutcher. 
But I, I think, you know, uh, talk to Coach Jenkins about this. And even, you know, prior, right after the ball, I texted him in the whole deal because he's a phenomenal, phenomenal person in and in a great offensive mind. But they threw the ball on North DeSoto and they came up with some big plays. They went over top of them a couple of times, even though they got a quarterback that they effectually called lunch. And, uh, you know, he ran the ball in the semifinal game 45 times. Well, the other night that they were, he was responsible for a bunch of yards. They had over 400 yards of offense, but so did North, North DeSoto. So it was a, and North DeSoto made a, made a push at the end. Lutcher trailed. They trailed in that ball game at halftime and came back with, with some big pass plays. Um, and their defense had got, got a couple of big stops and, and, a, and a big turnover. And uh, lo and behold, they're, they're the state champions, and, uh, and they deserve that. Uh, you know, uh, Coach Jenkins moved up in class from, from last year, and I think the, moved up, the move up itself helped them because they got into, I think, a, a more favorable bracket. They definitely worked out for the Bulldogs there as they take home their ninth state title. Let's go ahead and look at the next matchup as it was Manny defeating Union Parish in the Division Three non-select side of the bracket. Manny won by double digits, coach 35-13 to 13 in that matchup. We know what Manny is made of. They've been there before. You mentioned being able to get that opportunity to play in the Superdome and getting that practice playing in that environment. Manny has definitely had that. And yeah. They were able to pull out this win over Union Parish, probably likely because of that experience. Because we know Union Parish has a very physical ball club as well. No question, but you know, man is just loaded. They have players all over. I mean, they just it just didn't they just didn't get there by accident. Uh, they earned their way, but they're very loaded. They're well coached, but uh, they have some tremendous players on that football team. And you know, they they have the luxury of, of having a lot of kids come from different places in that in their, their parish, so to play football. So they they have a, a big attendance zone, and uh, I think that's a big difference there. And Union Parish, uh, we knew they would be physical. We knew that they're probably going to be in the Superdome. Uh, the game was close. Now at halftime, it was only one touchdown score. But I think uh, Manny just kind of turned it on at halftime and said, hey, you know, we're better. We're better than they are. We need to stop this great running back. And uh, they did that in the second half. Looking at our next matchup, we had Oak Grove taking on Homer in the Division Four select side. Oak Grove defeated Homer 17 to nothing in that one. Coach, a little bit of a surprise. I know Homer had been putting up a lot of points in this game, but Oak Grove, a, a staple in football, and we're able to pull out this win pretty handily. No, you, you just said it. This game was it really wasn't that close. Uh, it was one of the games that probably was not. Homer didn't threaten very much. But remember this. You just said it. Oak Grove has been there. They've been there. I mean, the, the, the guys expect it. The coaches expect it, even though it wasn't the exact same staff. But uh, they've been there. So it's kind of an easy pick when they understand how, how it works. And when you go to the Superdome, there are a ton of distractions that from the outside. Things like tickets and parking and things like uh, families. Where are you going to meet before the game? Where are you going to eat? Where are you going to sleep? And, uh, you know, they're coming from the furthest distance that you can come from in Louisiana. So they, But they know how to do it. And I think you, you have to favor them in games like that and it was a big win for that program as uh they were the division four select because it gets it gets very tongue-tying saying these new formations and brackets but let's go ahead and look at the select side of the bracket coach in division one it was john curtis defeating brother martin 23 to nothing we kind of mentioned brother martin found himself on the favorable side of the bracket and were able to carve out a, a direct path to the dome John Curtis, I think the question that we mentioned was, are they going to be able to have enough steam at the end with the side of the bracket that they played, finding a way to beat a very talented or some would argue even the best uh, team in the bracket, which was Catholic after their win over 
car and not only did they show up to beat they beat brother martin 23 nothing so an impressive win for john curse and add yet another one to their trophy case no, no question. I mean, uh, kudos to Coach Bo Neeson to get his team to the finals because, uh, you know, regardless of what the bracket was, uh, they had to play to get there, and they did. And they, they, they beat St. Aug, which was a, a, a team that actually beat them during the year. So um, uh, kudos to them. But, you know, John Curtis dominated the game. The score was not really indicative of the game. I think uh, Coach Curtis uh, at the end kind of put in some subs at the end. He could have easily scored again. Uh, but uh, but uh, the game was dominated by, by the defense of, of John Curtis and Brother Martin couldn't get that great running back Lambert going. Um, but um, but uh, kudos to them because they they fought hard in the ball game, but they just couldn't get any drives, any significant drives. So John Curtis was definitely the better football team uh, that night. Yeah, and I want to make a clarification that you kind of mentioned. There's no there's no gimmies in, in either side of this bracket. And we discussed the favorable side, but that's because the uh, the bottom path had. John Curtis, Carr, Catholic. Again, you mentioned Brother Martin had to go through a team that they lost to earlier in the season. And again, congratulations on their season. Unfortunately, Curtis was the better team that night. As we move on to Division Two, coach, this was a crazy ball game as St. Thomas Moore was able to pull off the 52 to 48 win over Lafayette Christian. Coach, it felt like a basketball game. Both teams just back and forth. Uh, two boxers feeling feeling their way around the ring and. St. Thomas Moore had to pull off an onside kick and connected on a deep bomb the next play to win that ball game and just an unbelievable finish in that matchup. It's it, you know it's it's amazing the two games that we saw in the Superdome uh, where two teams got state championship because of an onside kick and, and that was one of them. But uh, Lafayette Christian dominated the second half. I mean, completely. That, that quarterback is phenomenal. Uh, they, they, everybody had a hard time tackling the guy, and they were actually. Lafayette Christian was just took their time on the goal line to try to run some clock, and it looked like they were going to put the game away with with a two touchdown lead. Uh, then all of a sudden, uh, when they when they did score, um, St. Thomas Moore came up. They they threw the ball up to their fine receiver. He goes up and steals the ball away. And they score a touchdown, two defenders fall down. Then here comes the onside kick. And um, the onside kick, at first they questioned it, did it go 10 yards? So they reviewed it, and they said it, it, it did. And um, just the next play, they throw a ball up in the air. The guy kind of did a sprint roll, their quarterback, who had a phenomenal game, and threw the ball up, and the same kid goes up, and he just outfights everybody in, in the secondary for the ball and came down with it, runs it for a touchdown. Uh, but in that ball game, I never heard of it. 13 over 1300 yards total offense 13 one team at Lafayette Christian over 730 yards total offense and they lost the ball game I just uh, I, I mean I'm amazed by it in fact a sad note I learned today that coach Falk is uh, has resigned I, I don't know if he's gonna stay at the school or not but he's designed his head football coach he's a tremendous guy class guy and uh, I hate to see him not being coaching Coach, as we move on to the Division Three select side of the bracket, it was St. Charles playing Dunham in what was an incredible ball game. St. Charles won 32-28, and it was a game packed of, of back-and-forth swings. Ultimately, as you kind of preluded to earlier, St. Charles kicked an onside – not necessarily an onside kick, but basically an onside kick, and were able to recover it to take the lead in that ball game late. And – their defense played and stepped up when they needed to, and it was uh, an incredible game start to finish. But well, St. Charles, back-to-back -back champions. The, the team, that, that uh, the, the offense for St. Charles, 
control the, the clock, control the entire ball game. Aiden Othamon might be, it's not arguably the best quarterbacks ever played, uh, all-around quarterbacks ever played at St. Charles. I mean, he's an excellent player, throws a great, great, great pass, and he's a great runner. And he's only about five foot eight, but he's really a great player. And, uh, you know, in that ball game, Dunham had three plays of over 60 yards, a run and two long passes, which is uncharacteristic for the St. Charles defense to give up. Uh, but uh, the offense would never really got the opportunity. I think the time of possession, Dunham only had something like 14 minutes of, of offense. That's all. The rest belonged to St. Charles Catholic. And, and uh, one of the big plays in the game was the fourth down and two. And Aiden Althamore looked like he was stopped. And all of a sudden, at the last minute, he kind of spins up and extends the ball. And uh, even if the spot was reviewed and they gave them the football, and two plays later, they scored. So that was a big – and then after that came the onside kick. So uh, they trailed. They were down by two scores, and they they came back in that ball game. Just a tremendous win for Coach Stein, second uh, state championship in a row. Uh, Kudos to to, um, to Aiden Althamore on that offense. And Coach Ty Monica, he just called a match. Full game to keep uh, Dunham off, off off the field, basically, because they had they had the ball more. Uh, that their offensive defensive line were, were bigger than uh, than St. Charles, and and uh, they were they were pretty physical in that ball game. So really, really, really exciting time. Uh, when that, that that final pass hit the ground, I've never seen so much emotion from from a team uh, because they knew that they 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 just expended themselves. And uh, what a what a what a great atmosphere it was too. Absolutely. When you look at the last matchup, it was Washington Christian taking on Vermillion Catholic, two powerhouse programs in St. Louisiana. It was Washington Christian pulling out the double-digit victory over Vermillion Catholic, 28-14. to 14. But, again, two powerhouse teams, and just somebody had to win, somebody had to lose in this matchup, Coach. And, and on that day, it was Washington Christian. Uh, Washington Christian is just a big old team. I mean, they're, they're huge, one of the bigger teams in the state. Uh, Vermilion Catholic made it a game. It was a close uh, one touchdown, and um, they, they, they pulled within one touchdown, and then the Washtenaw Christian got a touchdown late to pull away to make it a two-touchdown victory. But uh, Vermilion Catholic was was pretty you know, pretty close to the vest. Their offense was was, was pretty conservative uh, at the time, but Washtenaw Christian just had too much offense and, and really a, a more talented football team than they were. But uh, congratulations just to get there and have the fine season that VC had. Uh, from Abbeville, I mean, you can't say, you can't thank them enough for for what they did, Coach. Looking at the way these games played out, you've got to think there's going to be some talks and some questions about this moving forward. How are they going to proceed with these playoffs? And I'll say this before you give your opinion on it: looking at the raw numbers, uh, the point differential over the entire span of all nine divisions was eighteen and a half points. Okay. Over this past weekend, the point differential was 11.75 points. That's a touchdown difference. Not to mention, Division Four had a – now, this is an average over nine seasons. The point differential average was 34 and a half points in that championship ball game. Um, the division – that's unbelievable, Coach. The fact that that was a point differential over a nine-year span, and it was that was a fourteen-point game um, yeah, in Division Four. So I hope that we see either them continue this path or have those serious discussions about either going down to four divisions completely or just going back to five divisions. Because again, I, I do think we saw a lot more competitive football in the Superdome this year. 
Well, I think that the biggest thing the coaches like they eliminate the buys in the bracket. They eliminate all those holes that they had there. Uh, play every week if you can, even though they were buys at the beginning because you earned it. If you were high enough sheet, you had that. But they liked the fact that they didn't have a uh, – like in past years, you had a bye week prior to the state championship game. So you were, you were kind of inactive for a long time, and uh, players and coaches wanted to play because they were in the routine at that time. It actually extended the season. There's talk about maybe going to uh, doing away with districts, and there's also talk about uh, making districts bigger. I think most of the bigger programs, they want bigger districts because it's hard. If, if you have to find uh, – if you had to find 10 games, I mean, that's hard. Your phone is not going to ring if you've got a real good program. Uh, nobody's going to call you. you got to call them. But if you have a bigger district and you only have to find three games, that's pretty uh, – that's that's doable uh, to, to find three. But you got to find five or more games. Uh, most of those games are going to be, uh, be against uh, juggernaut-type teams that you don't match up with. And that's who's calling you. So uh, there's going to be a, a lot on the floor. There'll be some amendments and, and um, to those things. And I haven't seen a, a total agenda yet, uh, but that's going to be discussed in January. But um, so far, you can see that this particular test balloon actually worked as far as the Superdome. Now, they didn't make the money because um, that they, they had if they had separate championships. But I think the venue, everybody being in one spot, I think that sells itself. And again, it was a great event this year. And again, hopefully we see it continue to push closer together as opposed to separate once again as they move forward. Coach, let's go ahead and take a head. Let's go ahead and take a look at some college football. We're going to go ahead and mix in some national uh, discussions as well, seeing as uh, we do have the playoffs online coach in our first matchup. You have TCU taking on Michigan. I really like Michigan in this matchup. I think they have the physicality factor. I, I know TCU has found a way to win these ball games and their luck kind of ran out against Kansas State. I just – it feels like Michigan has a complete ball club, especially the way they were able to dismantle Ohio State. And uh, I really like the way Michigan has been playing this season. So I, I think Michigan definitely has the edge here in this ball game. Yeah, yeah Michigan's got – you know, they've got a, a running back that they're touting for Heisman next year. But I love their quarterback. I think he came in – McCarty kid, he came in. He showed he can run. He can throw. Uh, he's very cool in the pocket uh, and uh, and unnoticed, and nobody notices the offensive lineman. But their offensive line for Michigan is tremendous, and um, that, that TCU is they they're going to struggle uh, to 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 keep them off the field as far as their offense is concerned. Um, that, that quarterback for TCU is a you know he's a gamer, and uh, you know it's about a seven point spread right now. But I can see that actually dropping a little bit. TCU is going to fight hard. But I don't know if they – I agree with you, Jason. I don't know if they have enough to overcome Michigan. And in our next matchup, we have the the Ohio State University taking on Georgia. It, again, I, I do find it funny that the committee claims that there was no discussion about really Michigan and Ohio State probably needing to play each other and the way it worked out. Georgia ends up kind of getting the short end of the stick. I do think Ohio State's a tougher draw than TCU. But if you watch the way they played against LSU earlier, again, that's only one piece of the puzzle. Georgia hasn't truly been tested a ton this year by teams that are actually threatening to them. They did have a scare against Missouri. They had a few scares along the course of the season, but a very big physical ball club. They have receivers that can go up and get it. They have a plethora of running backs. And I don't know if Ohio State is going to be able to go into essentially Georgia's home stadium and pull off this win. I think it's going to be a tough ask for them. Well, I think this, I think Ohio State is, I think they're mad. Uh, 
I think they were coming to this ball game with a big chip in their shoulder. Uh, I think they were embarrassed about that, what happened to them on, in the home field in Columbus uh, versus Michigan. And they really knocked them out, almost completely knocked them out of the, the playoffs completely. And uh, with that one game, uh, you know, Stroud was a, was a Heisman Trophy candidate. He was at the show. You know, they, they brought him to New York, and and, uh, and I think he was second in the voting. And uh, even though I don't think he deserved it, I, I don't think the guy that won it deserved it. But uh, on the flip side of it, don't ever count out Ohio State. And I'm, if, if, if I'm going to bet on this game, I'm going to actually take the points in Ohio State. Uh, I think they're a sleeping giant, but they're going to have to play better defense. Uh, their defense has been poor so, uh, most of the year. They're going to have to play. And I agree with you. I think Georgia has not really been tested as much as I, I'd like to see them tested. They, they had a, a schedule that would allow them to get up for the big games they had to because they didn't have the consecutive juggernauts that they had to play. So I think that the schedule really favored Georgia. Uh, but if Ohio State comes to play, I really think they're going to play with that chip on their shoulder. I look for a big upset here. All right, and when you look at some of the local games, Coach, you have LSU is going to take on Purdue in that matchup. Coach, we were kind of discussing, it's hard for me to even look and break down and analyze this game too much because I don't know that a game is going to happen with the way things are working out, with the way the transfer portal happens. And Purdue, new, new coaching change, a lot of the staff is leaving. And what happens if half the team leaves. What happens if the head coach takes the entire staff with him before the bowl game? I mean, there's a lot of questions, but if you, you look at the game on paper, LSU has a lot of guys that are leaving. Uh, they've kind of got a bitter taste in their mouth. They played two really poor games. There's kind of a chance for them to redeem themselves moving forward to next season. I like, I like LSU in this matchup. Uh, I feel like there's a very boring game on paper. Uh, I, this game is not one that gets me excited. In the slightest, if I'm being completely honest, but right. again, I, I think I think if this game does get played out, I think LSU is favored by double digits for a reason, and I think they'll uh, hit well, that goal. The watchability of this game, I mean, it's, it's going to be a low ebb. I mean, who's going to want to? That's like watching grass grow. I really don't see anybody that has the interest in it, and because with the, the things you said, I, I don't think it's right for these lower tier, uh, lower. Uh, tier bowl games um, th that they have these guys just transfer a bowl. They need to do something about that. I mean, that guy's on scholarship. At least he needs to, you know, stay through the through the the bowl game because that's not fair to that university, not fair to the coaches because that that goes on those coaches' record. I mean, you know, uh, you you need to play with your best players, but these guys, it's selfishness. They take it upon themselves to do it. I don't believe in that. I think it's I think it's ludicrous for them. You know, oh, the Devin White, he, you knew he was going to be drafted, but he he played in the in the bowl game. I would like to see these guys being held, uh, their foot held to the fire a little bit. In Purdue's case. Um, I don't think the university is going to let them back out of the game. I think, you know, that because that's a, first of all, that's money there. It's money for the players. And, uh, you know, LSU went with 39 scholarship players last year. They might have to do something similar to that and, and just show up and, and play. And, uh, but uh, the bottom, the bottom line, something that's to be done. These, these lower tier games where guys are opting out or they're transferring and they're not playing um, and, and that, that sort of thing. And listen, a lot of these guys are transfer a portal because they're, they're second or third team. They realize what it's, what it's all about. And uh, that sort of thing. I mean, that's that's a story for another day. But um, I hope they play it. In our next matchup, Coach, we have Tulane taking on USC, which is one of the most intriguing. Yeah, the other end of the spectrum, one of the most intriguing matchup of this bowl season. It's really funny to see that truly the strength on strength, Tulane's defense taking on USC's offense. If Tulane can find a way to slow down this offense 
let's call it what it is, Coach. Lincoln Riley plays a defense optional brand of football. And I think when there were discussions about him going to LSU or him moving along with Oklahoma to the SEC, I think he realized he didn't have the horses to go. Uh, the, the brand of football he wants to play is best suited for the West Coast. Put up a lot of points. You can put defense out there, and that's why he got hit in the mouth against Utah. And it would not shock me one bit to see Tulane come demand the demand that you have to play some defense against us. We're going to slow you down enough and allow our offense to score some points. And, again, I, I think this is going to be a very interesting ball game, regardless of what the spread or the national media is saying. Tulane won right. this game. It means a lot right. to them, and I'm excited to watch it. That, well, I think that the USC, number one, if you saw the championship game against Utah, they looked like a JV football team. Uh, the, the Heisman Trophy winner bowed out of that ball game at the end. And, uh, you know, they gave him the Heisman Trophy, which, you know, on the West Coast, we don't see a lot of them because all their games are late. And we don't, so they're two hours behind us. So we don't see a lot of their ball games unless you stay up late or you watch ESPN forever in Sports Center. But the, the bottom line, I mean, they were turning down tackles against Utah. Uh, they look really, really pathetic against Utah. And if they if they think they're going to play like that against Tulane, they're in for a rude awakening. Uh, you know, the, 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 Coach Fritz has done such a f- phenomenal job of keeping his guys focused and keeping them in the house. I mean, you don't hear all this stuff about, about that program, about this guy in the transfer portal, this guy in the transfer portal, this guy opting out for the draft and stuff like that. And uh, maybe they don't have the players that are draft, uh, draft eligible, but you, they want to play. They want to win. And uh, kudos to him and that staff for keeping it together. So um, I, I look for Tulane to give them everything they want, even though I know USC's got a bunch of NFL guys, got the Heisman Trophy winner at, at quarterback. But I think Tulane's going to get after his butt. I can't wait to watch it out play out. And I, I really think it's going to be a good ball game. I'm, I'm excited to see that one happen. Uh, we're going to go ahead. This will be the end of the first segment. Um, again, as we come up next, is going to be, our interview with head coach Dwayne Jenkins uh, of Lutcher as he comes off of his state championship. And we'll have the impact of football on a small community in our Let's Be Frank segment and football terminology in Football 101. So before we hit the break, we want to go ahead and thank our title sponsor, Accardo and Dufresne Law Firm. Samuel Accardo Jr. and Henri P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Henri Dufresne, Provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Samuel Licardo Jr. and Henri P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Henri Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Based out of Gramercy, Louisiana, LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. LSR utilizes the latest innovations in technology, as well as ensuring the growth 
and stability of Louisiana sugarcane farmers by integrating more than 800 growers in the industry's economic structure. Southern Cane is available in your local associated grocers and Rouse's supermarkets. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen. Starting in 1981 as an industrial vacuum truck company, A3M Vacuum Services has grown to be an industry leader in waste disposal services. Whether it's providing cleanup crews for plant maintenance or emergency crews for environmental cleanup and disposable projects around the river parishes and New Orleans, A3M Vacuum Services maintains the same level of personal customer relations and work ethic that founder Pat Sellers started almost 40 years ago. Proud supporters of Comet Athletics. If you're looking for commercial or residential dump truck services, go with R&K Construction. This family owned and operated business has great trucks and are big supporters of high school sports. Smoothie King LaPlace thanks the community for 29 years. Through the good times and the toughest times, Smoothie King has been here to serve our guests. Whether you're looking for a keto-friendly smoothie, a recovery smoothie, or a healthy, refreshing snack, Smoothie King has you covered. Discover all the ways to be your best self and rule the day with Smoothie King. If you're in need of storage space at your home or business, stop by and visit with the good folks at Acadia LLC. Seth Boudreaux and his employees are there weekdays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Give them a shout at 985-359-1333 or visit them at 1301 West Airline Highway in Laplace. Tonight, our special guest was a longtime officer coordinator at Lutcher High School before taking over the reins at St. James High School and, of course, is now the current head coach of Lutcher High School and state champion, Dwayne Jenkins. We want to go ahead and welcome on our special guest, Coach Dwayne Jenkins. Coach, first of all, congratulations to winning a state title at Lutcher. And what does it mean to not only you and your program, but also your community? Well, it is definitely exciting and uh this team was something that we uh, we talked about all year long uh, with our quarterback club and, and anybody who would listen. We thought this was a special group. Uh, we weren't sure if we were going to be um, talented enough or, or, or be good enough to win a state championship, but we really thought that this team would we'd get the most out of this team and they would really play their best. And I, I thought that was something that our community got to see uh, all year long was a, a group of kids that came together, believed in each other, and worked really hard and, and, and played the game the right way. And I think uh, as the season went on, more and more people got to got to enjoy what um, myself and my coaching staff got to see on a daily basis, which was really an incredible group of kids uh, to be around on a daily basis. And uh, uh, one thing about here, um, everybody will, will start getting that support as that season gets deeper. And um, they love champions. And we've been fortunate enough to win nine here. And that's gonna, that's been the talk of the town for the weekend. So. Um, like Coach Monica say, at least for a few days, uh, I get to be a pretty smart guy. Well, first of all, Coach, thank you so much for being on. I mean, it's such a, not only you're a great coach, but you're a personal friend. And I know you have to be really busy here. Uh, but, Coach, you've been involved with so many state championships because you were at, at, at St. James High School. Coach, how many state championships is this for you? Uh, this was my third um, game coaching in as a, as a head coach. So I've, I've, I'm 2-1 and one as a head coach. And then uh, I, I was part of, 
the staff of three others uh, here at Lutcher. In 2003, I was the receivers coach. And then in 2006 and 2008, I was the offensive coordinator. So um, three is three is an assistant and uh, two wins as a head coach and uh, one other appearance as a head coach. I remember you, Coach. I mean, uh, and everybody knows you're one of the brightest offensive minds around. And and uh, when Coach Dettelier kind of turned it over to you, so that meant a lot because I knew how he liked to run offense also. But uh, you've done a phenomenal job there, and and uh, you do it the right way. You know, you do it the right way. you got so many hats to wear. Uh, people don't know that you're also an executive committee of the LHSAA. You're also the president of Louisiana Football Coach Association. And you guys had a, had a big football clinic in the Superdome. So you got a lot on your plate. I don't know how you get it done, plus being an athletic director at your school. Can it, you tell us how you balance that? It, it, it takes a lot, but uh, I, I've got a great support team that, that allows me to do a lot of those things. Uh, whether it's here uh, on the football part, I have a great staff that I can lean on that has a lot of experience. And that was one of the things that um, I talked a little bit about during that, that prelude up to the state championship. There was a lot of talk uh, about our opponent and, and Coach Dunn and the success that he had had and the opportunities that number of times that he had been to the Superdome. But I felt like we were in a good place because I had a staff that had had as much experience as they had had in the Superdome as well. So that helps on the football side of it when you've got a great staff uh on an athletic director side i have a great assistant athletic director and uh uh miss michelle claymore she's able to help uh keep some of that paperwork you have to have a great administration to help support a lot of those things as well and then everything else uh you know this as well as anybody that you have to have a great coach's wife to be able to to wear those hats and do those things uh fortunate to be uh the current president of the lfca uh, i know that was a position that you held once upon a time as well. Uh, and I think it's important um, to, to have that voice and have that opportunity to continue to grow a profession. And that's what that LFCA's main mission is. And then the, the opportunity to serve on the executive committee is something that I really didn't think a lot about uh, when I got into coaching, but uh, the opportunity to help um, give a coach's perspective to that group of principals is, is sometimes much needed. No, the question, Coach, you had a, a great game against Lakeshore. You guys had a long, long delay, and you had a nice little story to tell about exactly what had happened in, in that ball game. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? With the yeah, so that was a quarterfinal game. So that's the the, the Friday after Thanksgiving, and uh, we get to Lakeshore and we go through our regular pregame, and everything's on time. And I get we, we say our prayer. I give a pregame speech, and we're getting ready to bust through the sign and run to the sideline. At, at 6.55, and the officials come and stop us and, and tell us that we're not going to start the game because uh, they're having a, a lighting issue. One of the um, the lights are out at the stadium, so they're not going to start the game on time. And as we continue to wait and sit around, um, I start trying to figure out when this game's going to get started and, and when the game's going to play out. And I start figuring out that we probably won't be at halftime until about 9.15, 9.30. And most high school games are over by that point. So then I started getting concerned about nutrition and what my kids would be like in the second half. So I went to my trainer and, and a couple of guys that help out with the chain crew and equipment trucks. And I'm like, we need to figure out something to feed the kids at halftime. And uh, Lynn LeBlanc, uh, one of the dads, he, he helps on the chains on all, all our away games. His son Carson's a, a starting receiver for us. And uh, Lynn goes to the concession stands and buys a box of Snickers. And uh, we kind of come out and take over that football game in the second half. And then the next week shows up and we got a couple more boxes of Snickers. And uh, we're, we're, we're on the road at West Feliciana in a tight game. And um, 
we eat Snickers at halftime again, and then we go on a 17-play drive in the fourth quarter where we kind of take over that football game and put it away. And so you knew we would have Snickers in the uh, locker room at the state championship game, and <laughs> we're down 13-7 at halftime. We go down 19-7 after the first possession of the second half, and then at that point, I guess the, the Snickers kicked in because uh, we took over that one as well. Oh, of course, my favorite food. I love them frozen too, Coach. I like them frozen, and but that's why I got a big swing on my back porch. So I want you to know that. But, but Coach, let's talk a little bit about you know. I've always said the state championships are great, but it's the journey getting there that that's so that's so phenomenal. But in that ball game, I mean, you got a you got a great quarterback by the name of Winfield. And y'all call him affectionately call him at lunch. I think that's a, that's a pretty neat name. Uh, it's, it's it's sort of different. But uh, you threw the ball. You know, everybody knows that he can run because I think he carried the ball four to five times the previous week. But you threw the ball, and I don't know if they were expecting that. So did you think that you can get over the top on him like you did? Well, I think one of the things that we do uh, or try to do really well is continue to prepare um, our entire offense. And, and, and that's something that um, we've had a lot of success here in the passing game uh, throughout my time as offensive coordinator and as a head coach. Uh, and just the identity of our football team has kind of evolved these last couple of years. We've had uh, really good offensive lines, and um, I, I think the, our ability to throw was kind of overshadowed all year, basically because of our playoff run. Um, Lunch had a great season throwing the ball in a regular season. Um, he had like 16, 1,700 yards passing, and I think Coach Bourgeois looked at it in the four games – um, prior to the state championship in the playoffs, we had only attempted maybe 30 passes uh, so far in the playoffs. And that was because we were so good running the football. And uh, I made this analogy with uh, one of the guys. Uh, one of the things that coaches do far too often is overcoach and overthink. And um, kind of like I use the baseball analogy, we were throwing a fastball and nobody was hitting it, running the football. And uh, that was our fastball. And we kind of knew coming into this game that North DeSoto was going to do everything they could to take the running game away. So we continued to work on a passing game and we were ready for it if we needed to rely on it in a state championship game. And I, I think a lot of times people confuse with what they saw us do uh, as, as far as running the football meant that we couldn't throw it. But uh, Winfield was almost a 68% completion guy this year uh, for the season. I think he was like 136 for 200. He finished with um, over 2,000 yards passing this season and um, 2,180 yards passing. He threw 32 touchdowns with four interceptions. So uh, that that's a pretty good high school season for a quarterback. No question. That's the career. Coach, you guys have always had some great quarterbacks through the years. I had some there when I was there too. And I don't want to mention their names because I would turn them off. But when you compare, even, the, even yet a guy like Terrence Jones, but, but this guy, from the, what he brings to the table is just unbelievable because he's, he's such a great leader and, and he's durable. I think he played on the gimpy ankle, but uh, I, th- I look for this guy to have a great future. I, I do too, and I, I've been I always get asked to compare him. Obviously, I've been extremely fortunate to coach uh, a lot of really good quarterbacks in, in my time, and uh, I always tell people they let me coach them. They, they were talented before I got my hands on them, and, and, and God gifted those guys with special talents. But I, I think the one thing that I'll say about lunch is – he may not be – he might not have that one elite trait physically that any of those other guys had, whether it's um, Blaine Gauthier was so blessed with just a tremendous left arm and can throw the ball a mile and, and really had a strong arm. 
Gavin Webster was just such a dynamic athlete and was able to run so well. Kind of the same thing for John Trey Kirkland, uh, Lowell Narcisse, all of those guys, even Rustin Mathurin with his accuracy and the things that he was able to do as a quarterback for me. Uh, but I think what Winfield did was he was a combination of all of them put into a six foot two, 215 pound body. And like you said, made him extremely durable. But for everything that they saw, everybody saw in the field, uh, I've always said all year long, it pales in comparison what that kid was able to do in our building, in our school, in our locker room, and as a leader of this football team. And um, that's going to probably be on top of all accolades when you talk about a kid that had over 10,000 yards of offense in his career. Um, his leadership and his character is what's, what, what's going to leave the biggest hole in this football team. No question. Coach, uh, just shifting gears just a little bit, I want to tell everybody that uh, people, I think, understand the bonfire capital of the world is, is Luxury Gramercy area and it's been going on for a number of years. And, and I think they put limitations. I remember when I was coaching at Luxury High School, I had to put limitations because I lost four players in the, for a playoff game one time because of the bonfire. They were building bonfires and, and uh, a couple of them got burned. One guy at center pole fell on, fell on the guy. So I had to make, and they, I wasn't very popular at that time until after the season was over with. But uh, uh, how do you work around that with the, with the bonfires during the, during the season when they have to practice? That, that's always uh, one of the keys here. And really, uh, I really think this year was probably one of those years where you didn't have to tell the kids a whole lot. Our, our kids had, were so invested in what we were doing um, and, and depended on each other and, and relied on each other and was um, just great teammates. Nobody wanted to put themselves at risk to, to, to possibly uh, miss their opportunity. And that was one of the things that they understood. And our coaches did a good job of, of – of, beating that into their heads that um, special teams only come around so often. And um, you seniors, this was your last chance. It was, it was something that we always talked about. But one of the things we always talked about with the underclassmen, this might be your best chance. So so take advantage of it. And uh, I thought our kids really bought into that. So it was really not a whole lot had to be said throughout. Um, I, I know some of them still – we're involved in getting those things ready to go. Obviously, as the season gets deeper and deeper and you get two weeks past Thanksgiving, it's time for those bonfires to be built. To be built. But I think our kids, and really it goes to the parents and the community, um, when you get on the roll that we were on, um, they were probably being extra careful and making sure that those guys uh, weren't putting themselves in harm's way. Coach, I remember 1976, one of my best teams I think I've ever had was at Lutcher. And uh, we, I think everybody was planning parties and things of that nature because we had won it in 75 and, and, um, and I was assistant then. But then 76 came and we were undefeated going to, I think, game 13 or 14. It was the semifinals back then. And I remember there was so many things going on in the community and they left it. They left it on the streets and they didn't play. So that kind of helped us in 1978 because I, I remember that scenario and said, well, we actually called meetings at night just to get the guys there because there's so many distractions in a small community. But, Coach, you know, getting back, I just think it's tremendous for River Parish football. We had three state championships in River Parish football. And I don't know if you, you realize this, but you guys, there were four of you in a passing league. You, St. Charles, uh, and John Curtis were all in the passing league and, along with East St. John. Three or four of you won the state championship, and East St. John had a great year. So I think the, the passing league had to be a big, big part of that, along with that great coaching staff that you have. Yeah, uh, we, uh, Coach Stein and I talked about it um, throughout. and I even talked to the staff at Curtis uh, a couple times throughout the year, and 
we talked about it. We think because of the way we run our passing league and, and it's not the, the cutthroat, uh, let's go out there and just run things to, to, to try to win a seven-on-seven seven game in the middle of the summer. It's really about developing your program and getting your kids ready to play on Friday nights. And, and I really think that's a huge benefit uh, for all of us that participate in that passing league. And uh, I think it was evident this year um, with the, the the success that the teams had that that participate in that league. And um, we, we kind of talked about it uh, kind of throughout the season that playing that quality of, of opponent and, and that quality of coaching over the summer really gets you prepared for the season. And uh, obviously uh, that's one of the keys. And I said it in my press conference after the game, uh, just how proud I am to, to be a coach on the river. Uh, I mentioned it again today when I, I spoke at the New Orleans quarterback club, it, it, it's a special bond in um, the eight schools here. All of us have won a state championship at, in our history of our school. Uh, it's eight communities that, the, the school is the, the center and the fabric of that community. So it's important. And um, because of that, it allows the, the, the players to understand how important it is. And um, it, it puts those expectations and uh, expectations uh, sometimes can, can, can crush people, but oftentimes it gets people to rise up to the challenge. No question, Coach. I think it's the excitement that it brings to everybody. In fact, I'm going to talk a little bit about that on my uh, Let's Be Frank segment. Uh, Coach, you guys have a tremendous quarterback club, probably the, not probably the biggest in the, the state. It's been going on for a long, long time, and you, you've been a big part of that. And, and They meet every Tuesday night, and I'm sure there will be an adult beverage uh, consumed tonight, one or two, uh, something like that. Uh, but uh, talk a little bit about your quarterback club. Well, uh, our, it's an institution. That's the first thing. Uh, you're talking about a, a quarterback club that's over 75. It's going to be a 75th year um, next year in 2023. going to be the 75th year of ex- existence for the Lutcher Quarterback Club. And uh, really, it's a machine. And, and a couple of the people that's involved in it, in it, they talk to it, and they treat it just like it's a business. And that's probably the biggest thing because uh, they've got guys who, who all have different roles, and, and they step up, and they take care of it. And we, we push out 500 to 700 lunches out the back window every week, and it becomes our biggest fundraiser. Most most booster clubs, the quarterback clubs, um, have meetings to figure out how to fundraise, and our guys have meetings that are the fundraiser, and uh, it makes it unique. And obviously it um, allows us, or especially me as the head coach, it, it allows us to be able to have some, some of the luxuries and, and not really have to worry about it, whether it's, uh, going through a playoff run, and we played on the road the last three weeks uh, of the playoffs, played on the road in the quarters, played on the road in the semis, and played in the dome. And uh, the quarterback club picks up the tab on charter buses each and every week uh, of the playoffs, and, and that's just a huge expense that you don't have to worry about um, as an athletic director and head football coach. Coach, I, I don't know if people know this, but it's the same dirty rice and chicken. It's not the same chicken, but it, it's a <laughs> phenomenal meal that it takes place every 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 week, and people line up. I think you guys sell about 700 out of the back end. Isn't, isn't that right, Coach? That, that's correct. They serve any, any, on a given week between five and 700 out the back window. And uh, just like any good restaurant, consistency is the key. You know when you pull up um, at the PR building to pick up a lunch, you you know exactly what the taste is going to be. And uh, those guys do a phenomenal job uh, week in and week out. And I, I'd be remiss not to mention over the last three weeks, uh, starting the quarterfinal week, those cooks that cooked 500 to 700 meals to push out the back as a fundraiser was also cooking for my football team every Tuesday. So we'd finish with Tuesdays our hardest day of practice during the week. 
uh, we'd finish on the practice field at, at 5.30 or so and come off the field and our kids would have a, a high-cooked meal to, to eat before they went home that day. So that was always something that was special uh, for our kids each week on top of what they do for, for the community. Because not only that, I don't know if the people realize this, but it's a it's a stag group. A lot of the booster clubs are not, you know, they they allow women to theirs, and uh, this is this has been like that traditional for years. And uh, Lutch is such a close knit community. You know, I had an opportunity to live there. It's just tremendous how they support the school and how they support the kids and stuff like that. But as you said too, uh, with that comes comes the pressure for you to work harder and and to succeed for people like that because they have a passion for for their sport of football and and. Uh, naturally all, all sports uh coach uh, um your your wife and t- tell us a little bit about your your wife and, and also your um uh your son is also a quarterback for the future yeah um that that's the the, the biggest thing about being here and coach money you got to work here and um, i grew up two blocks from the school um i, I was able to hear the announcer on, on friday nights uh announce the game since i was a little kid and and same thing for my wife. She grew up two blocks from the opposite direction from the school. And uh, we've been together since high school and grew up in this community. So it means a whole lot to us. And now having the opportunity to raise our kids in this community, it has been special. And um, one of the things that I know you got to experience as well, um, the opportunity to coach your son, I- I'm not sure it was something I, I really thought about, or, or could say I dreamed about, but Midway through the season this year, my son's a sophomore and plays quarterback. He was off starter on our JV team all this year. And um, probably about midway through the season, I realized and, and started to really um, be grateful for the opportunity that I was having to spend each and every day with with my son after spending 20-plus years of coaching other people's kids and, and mentoring other people's kids to have that opportunity to work with my son day in and day out um, – Began, began to be really special and then um, had that great Kodak moment, I think, after the semifinal game um, when, when he gets to go on the field and, and uh, kill a clock to, to send us to the Superdome and he, he can run off the field and hand his dad the football uh, to send us to the state championship was, was pretty was a pretty special moment. And it was something that I, I think this football team, um, before the game, Saturday in the Superdome, uh, when I was talking to the offense, I thanked them for giving me this opportunity to, to spend this time with my son, um, Zach, um, this year and, and to give him this opportunity to, to play in the Superdome. And uh, yesterday when we had our final team meeting, um, I, I showed that appreciation for them again because that that's memories that I will have the rest of my life and, and I will all of that to this 2022 football team. I also have another son, Alex, who's a seventh grader here with me now at Lutcher since we're at 7 through 12 school and um, – he, he's a different different type of athlete than Zach. Zach was the, Zach's going to be the one that I'll be having the same conversation you had with your two sons, trying to talk him out of getting in this profession. But <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm going to win that one, just like you did, Coach. Uh, he, he's kind of set his heart on doing that, and he, he said it since he was a young age that he wanted to be a coach. So uh, Alex is a, a pretty good athlete in his own right, good swimmer, good baseball player, played football this year for the first time and had a, had a great time doing it. And then uh, um, – He's 13, and then I have a six-year-old daughter who, who runs the house and she's been the ball <laughs> ever since she she came here. And uh, this was she got this was her second time of getting to be on the dome floor. She was a a, a one-year-old little baby uh, in 2016 when we won it, but 
here she is again as a six-year-old, and she enjoyed every minute of this football season. No, Coach, that, that you well said. Well said, Coach, and you deserve all the kudos that you get. I mean, uh, I was always impressed with the community of, of, of Lutcher because when they when they, they leave, they graduate from college, they come back, and they, and they live in the community. So I guess, you know, you, you can't get rid of them. They, they love it so much, and it's a well-run town and the whole deal, and, uh, you know, the, the politics are on the up and up. And, uh, Coach, it, it's just a, a pleasure uh, just to interview you and, and have you guys uh, have fun in the bonfire and, and for Christmas. Hope you have a great Christmas. Um, but but thank you so much for being on tonight. I know you got to go out, go to the to the quarterback club meeting. But thank you so much for taking your time, making an adjustment to be on our show. Well, I appreciate it, Coach Monica. And I'd just like to add one more thing before we, we, we break. You kind of mentioned the community and how everybody comes back, and that, that's one of the things that makes it really special. Is I'm getting to coach some of my teammates' sons uh, right now. Um, this throughout my, my six years that I've been back, that's probably been one of the special things when when those guys that you played with and you're getting to coach their kids um, and they're making huge impacts. Um, our quarterback lunch, I, I played with his dad in high school. And uh, it feels like uh, I, I get the opportunity to coach my son right now, but a lot of times it feels like I'm coaching a lot of my sons because I've seen these kids grow up because of the community that we live in. So. Uh, it's a special, it's a special thing here. Uh, obviously, the expectations are high, and, and the pressure is high, but um, the community makes it special. Thank you so much, Coach. Listen, you have a great Christmas. You too, Coach Monica. We want to once again thank Head Coach Dwayne Jenkins for joining us on the Let's Be Frank Video Podcast. We'd also like to thank our sponsor LSR for being a part of our show. LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. Southern Cane is available in your local associated grocers and Ross supermarkets. Samuel Licardo Jr. and Ari P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Ari Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Based out of Gramercy, Louisiana, LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. LSR utilizes the latest innovations in technology, as well as ensuring the growth and stability of Louisiana sugarcane farmers by integrating more than 800 growers in the industry's economic structure. Southern Cane is available in your local associated grocers and Rouse's supermarkets. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen. Starting in 1981 as an industrial vacuum truck company, 
A3M Vacuum Services has grown to be an industry leader in waste disposal services. Whether it's providing cleanup crews for plant maintenance or emergency crews for environmental cleanup and disposable projects around the river parishes and New Orleans, A3M Vacuum Services maintains the same level of personal customer relations and work ethic that founder Pat Sellers started almost 40 years ago. Proud supporters of Comet Athletics. If you're looking for commercial or residential dump truck services, go with RK Construction. This family owned and operated business has great trucks and are big supporters of high school sports. Smoothie King and LaPlace thanks to the community for 29 years. Through the good times and the toughest times, Smoothie King has been here to serve our guests. Whether you're looking for a keto-friendly smoothie, a recovery smoothie, or a healthy, refreshing snack, Smoothie King has you covered. Discover all the ways to be your best self and rule the day with Smoothie King. If you're in need of storage space at your home or business, stop by and visit with the good folks at Acadia LLC. Seth Boucher and his employees are there weekdays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Give them a shout at 985-359-1333 or visit them at 1301 West Airline Highway in Laplace. Welcome back to our third and final segment in the Let's Be Frank video podcast, as it'll be our final segment for this season. But we want to go ahead and thank our sponsor, Riverlands Insurance. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has always been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen. Coach, in our Let's Be Frank segment, we want to go ahead and look at the impact of football on a small community. So, Coach, can you dive into what exactly that entails? Well, guys, let me just say this. Uh, kudos to three River Parish football teams for winning the state championship. And I just want to talk to the public how big this thing is, uh, with how big football is, what it means to a community, the value of, of playing football. I mean, not only – it's not about state championships. It's about the, the journey getting to the state championships, all those playoff games and all those season games, the big season games. But, you know, here in Laplace, for instance, um, uh, you know, it, this is a community that, that was uh, ravaged by Katrina a little bit. Uh, it was flooded by Hurricane Isa, Isaac a few years ago. And then uh, two years ago, Ida just devastated his community. So what I'm trying to get to is that what this football team has brought to the community of Laplace and the school itself of St. Charles Catholic was pretty special. And not only did I mention that, but also what it did to the, the communities in Destrahan and, and Lutcher. And I mean, when you go to the Superdome and you see the place, almost everybody was a, was a ghost town. When you talk to anybody at the grocery store or anybody at, at a bar, if you talk to anybody at the dentist office or anywhere you went, they say, well, I'm going to the game from these communities. So people don't realize the impact that uh, football, that football, the value that it brings to a school and to a community and the pride, um, you know, everybody's talking about the, they wear their, their school colors, the, the pride, in, and they're proud to say we're in the Superdome, uh, win or lose, we're there. And uh, those, because it's a happening. I mean, when, when you see that, and I mean, uh, schools actually shut down that that particular day because I mean, you got so many people involved. You got a hundred football players. You got another fifty uh, or sixty in the dance group and, and the support group, cheerleaders, and then you got a got a huge, huge band. So the, the school itself, I mean, that's that's all part of the excitement, and, and that and those people are part of that. Uh, so you can't put that in a can of Campbell's soup. Uh, 
I mean, this is something that's, that's very, very special. And I, I think that it, it's an honor to get there. But uh, all the things that, that football and the pride that it gives a community. And when, when somebody, you know, talks about it, said, yeah, we won the state championship. Oh, we went. We won the Superdome. Or we're going to the Superdome. Uh, people don't, don't understand that. I, I, I don't know where our, our communities would be if you didn't have a high school like St. Charles Catholic. I don't know what Laplace would be like. I don't know what, what Desperate community would be like if there was no Desperate High School. I don't know what, what Lutcher was, God forbid, if, if, if they didn't have a high school and a football team to support. Because there are a lot of great sports out there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a baseball purist myself, and that's what got me where I am, was basically education and, and baseball itself. But there's nothing like the sport of football to bring pride to a community and bring those people together. And that was a big, big thing. I mean, uh, it's, it's the, the things that you saw there, you see the alumni. All of a sudden, you don't hear anything about the alumni all year long. All of a sudden, alumni is calling for tickets. I mean, there are people, uh, they're, they're, they're police officers and escorts and parish presidents and and, uh, and the dignitaries, they all want to be part of that because they want to be there because it's a happening. So uh, getting back to it, the bottom line is this is one of the big values of football in high school, what it brings to a community and what it does for a community and how happy we are to be, be part of that, especially if you have, especially if you have some uh, ownership in it. Uh, and, and we all take ownership in it, even if you're a fan, you might not have a relative out there. You might not have a son uh, or daughter on, 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 the, on the dance team or something like that. But you, we take ownership in it because we're a fan. That's my team. And I think that's, there's something to be said to that. that. So kudos for the River Parishes and, uh, and, and for, for the value of what football brings. You know, it, it brings to a kid, and I've, you heard me say this many times, I think every boy that's physically able physically able in school should go out for the sport of football. I think every boy should do that because of what football does for them as far as the structure, accountability, and it's not about a trophy, but all about those other things and belonging to something. So you're now dressing with 100 guys in that locker room that you would know forever for the rest of your life, and those acquaintances never, never go away. So the value of football, guys, is, is uh, that you can't, that cannot put a price on it. Uh, the intrinsic value in it, it is, is just special. And the relationship, like I said, that you have and, and the things that it brings back to the community. And it, it actually becomes the savior of the community, especially if your community's had a lot, a lot of uh, devastation in the past and, and, and negativity. So uh, that's one thing that we all can smile about and, uh, and pray about and be thankful for. Yeah, Coach, uh, last season when St. Charles was able to win the state title the way they did, it was you couldn't have written that script any better. I mean, the, the amount of, as you mentioned, what it did for the community and what they had to go through, the struggle. I mean, just an unbelievable story. And again, for all these teams to be able to get that opportunity to play in the River Parishes, three state titles, three champions, just a, an unbelievable stretch and run for the River Parishes. And then that's one less title game that they had to play, Coach. So three out of eight. So nearly half of the state titles went in the same region. So that's unbelievable. Um, in our football one-on-one segment, Coach, you want to talk about football terminology. So uh, can you drive us through what exactly those terms are and how they impact the players and coaches? Well, just a, a while back, I had a, when I was a, a high school coach, I, I had put a clinic on for ladies. And, uh, and my wife typed in this little booklet. And it's a, it's a real, real neat little booklet. And she typed up some things that, that ladies could understand. 
and uh, we actually let the ladies did. And this is on, on Comet Football, and we put a lot of terms in here that, that, that a lady or someone else, a novice, might want to know, or maybe someone that, that thinks they know uh, some of the terms that, that are possibly used. Uh, for instance, okay, what's a play-action pass? Uh, a play-action pass is when the quarterback fakes a run, and he drops back, and this normally pulls the linebackers up, and they, they can throw the ball over his head or on the side of him, and it, it freezes it freezes the defense just for a second. That's a play-action pass, okay? What's a bootleg? Uh, you know, somebody said, what's a bootleg? Well, a bootleg is basically when a quarterback does the same thing. He fakes the ball, and he rolls out the opposite direction, but normally he's protected by a guard or someone pulling, a lineman pulling to block the end, and he, he's actually going a, a different direction with a play-action pass. Basically, it's another way to move the pocket, so to speak, okay? Uh, what's a naked? Uh, naked, uh, in fact, I had a secretary who used to type my script all the time before a ball game, and she said, Coach, this is pretty naughty stuff. She said, what do you mean by naked? I said, well, a naked means it's the same thing as a bootleg, but a naked means the quarterback fakes the ball, but he rolls out the other way without any protection. He's hoping that the fake and the direction of the offensive line actually is, is fooled the defense, but it's normally a pass play, uh, like a bootleg, but a bootleg's protected, a naked's not. Now, some people use different terminology. In fact, if you watch naked, every NFL team might lead off the game. Well, it's so stagnant. On Sunday, they lead off with a with a naked play. Uh, what's a sack? A sack is when the quarterback is is tackled behind the line of scrimmage uh, while he's in a pocket. And uh, you know they probably you know more quarterbacks are hurt on sacks than they are just running the football. So a lot of people say, well, you want them to slide and stuff like that. But more quarterbacks are hurt or in the pocket when it comes to a sack by a defensive player. Uh, what's a what's an X mean? In, in football, you have what they call an X. Some people call him a wide receiver. Uh, he's also called a split end. Okay, the split end is an X. He's the person that lines up on the line of scrimmage. The Z is on the other side of the X. In most cases, he could be on the same side, but he's off the line of scrimmage. The Z receiver is one that could go in motion because he's off the line of scrimmage. So you see guys use a ton of motion. So that's an X receiver is a split end. A Z is a flanker and a guy that can go in motion, and he's lined up off the line of scrimmage. What's a tight end? But my secretary said, Coach, that's another a naughty term, a tight end. And he said, a tight end is a position. Uh, the guy is an eligible receiver that lines up right next to the tackle. That's eligible. He can block, but he also can go out for He's one of the five eligible receivers on, on the football field. And, but he's normally used for blocking uh, in cases. Uh, the, the term counter trade, what does counter trade mean? Some people call it jab OT. Counter trade means it's a pulling of a guard and tackle and, with the, and lead the back. So you see, uh, you see this play often. Uh, a lot of people use it. They pull a guard in a tackle. It's called a counter trade, or uh, the uh, coach referred to as jab OT, which means a guard and tackle will pull in the direction of the run, and one will kick and one will wrap in the line of scrimmage. Uh, the other thing, common term you hear is what's a touchback. A touchback is when the ball goes into the end zone and the ball is brought out to, to the 20-yard line. Normally happens on kickoffs uh, and, or something like that. Or the touchback could be, you know, if you if you just caught intercepted a pass in the end zone, you took a knee, that would be considered a touchback. The ball was brought out to the 20-yard line. Uh, just a term that a lot of coaches use. Uh, the initial CBL, which is CBL, it means caught behind the line. Okay, uh, caught behind the line means you, you tackle the ball carrier or the quarterback behind the line. It's not the same thing as a sack. It's normally the, the ball carrier when he's when he's running. LOS, LOS means line of scrimmage. They, all these are short terms that coaches use. The um, 
and uh, I'm, I'm going. There, there are a bunch of others that I could say. I think most of you know what a what a, uh, what a zone read is. Zone read. Uh, that's a term that's come out within the last, I would say, maybe eight, ten years or so. People started doing a lot of zone blocking, and then what they started doing off the zone zone blocking means all the linemen step in one direction at one time, like the kind of like the Rockettes. Okay, everybody will step right on the zone right, or they step left, and anybody in that zone they'll block it. And with that came what they call uh, the, the the all the with the zone what they call the zone read was a pass thrown off the zone. And uh, and coaches, defensive coaches, uh, really were complaining about it because they didn't think it was fair. Uh, what's a blitz? A blitz is when it could a blitz could be considered a linebacker blitz. It could be an inside linebacker, could be outside linebacker, could be a cornerback blitz. Some people, especially the boundary corner, it's a person that that lines up close to the line of scrimmage, and he's not normally a rusher. And he rushes, and this is destroy the the, the 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 blocking scheme of the offense. So a blitz could be from inside linebacker come right up the middle, or it could be from outside linebacker come on the outside. Could be from a strong safety coming up from the outside or inside. That that's considered a blitz. So it, it's a, anybody that's it's not a normal rusher, whether it's a three down lineman or four down lineman. Uh, a stunt is this always a stunt is not the same thing as a blitz a stunt is something like the linemen like to do they do what they call a twist stunt where the guard and tackle will swap position and will actually twist and that's all designed to try to destroy the, the blocking assignment for for the for the offensive line uh what's an option play an option play when the quarterback comes down the line and he looks at one defender normally the outside linebacker or defensive end and if that defender comes up the field, he'll keep it. The defender does not come up the field, he'll pitch it to a back and or, or a receiver, could be a receiver, and it's normally an outside play and uh, that people call it an option. So the quarterback has the option to pitch it or keep it. That's why it's called an option play. Now, some people use what they call a triple option and also where you can fake, hand it to the back or you can uh, keep it yourself or pitch it. That's considered a triple option. Uh, just briefly, um, you hear this term a lot, which clipping. A clipping is is a, a block in the back by a defender, uh, by an offensive player. So if you block a guy from behind, that's considered clipping. And uh, so a lot of people think it's, it's when you hit somebody's legs. I said no, uh, that's tripping, which also is a it's a it's a term. Uh, and what's encroachment? Encroachment is when when a defensive lineman moves into the neutral, what they call the neutral zone. The neutral zone is where the ball is actually located. And so if he's in there when the ball snapped. That means that's considered encroachment. It normally is called offsides or encroachment. That's normally um, that dictates a five-yard penalty. And um, that, that, and let's see, uh, a couple others. Uh, hidden yards, a term that I'd like to throw out there. Hidden yards is basically used, you know, and people really, really don't understand what this means, and it's not embellished at all, and it should be. Uh, that's when the guy returns a punt, for instance, and it's supposed to return a punt 30 yards. Well, it's not, there's no category for it. It doesn't show up in the yardstick and on, on Saturday morning, you know. And But he's he just gained thir- uh, three first downs for his team. Or a kickoff return, he returns it all the way to the 50-yard line. Well, now you're playing on a 50-yard field rather than an 80-yard field. So those are hidden yards by the return team and special teams. And hidden yards is a very, 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 very important uh, part of the game, and people don't understand what they are. There are a lot more terms than this, a lot more, but uh, uh, I'll cut it, cut it short for tonight. But, but that's kind of our football 101 segment for tonight. Thanks, Coach. And we'll head and move on to our Blitz the Ball Coach segment where we get somebody to ask you a hard-hitting question. Coach, what is the biggest difference between coaching in high school and coaching in college? 
Jason, I've, I've, I don't know if, if I had a question that's been any more asked than, than that particular question. And number one, in high school, it's, it's, it's fun. You know your community. You know the people in the bleachers. You know the parents. Uh, you know the, the not you know the kids because you see them in school. You see them in the cafeteria. You get a relationship with the players. You know, and and uh, you get a chance to coach them on on Friday night. Uh, you sleep in your own bed every night as a high school coach, and it's yours. You take ownership in that. Uh, in college, it's more of a business, and it is a business because if you don't win, uh, you don't have a job very long. And and in college, you also attach directly to the to the head coach. So if he has success, you have success. If he doesn't have success and he actually is dismissed from his job, you're you're probably on the streets also. So it's highly intense. It becomes a business. Um, it becomes more of a job. Um, you work a lot of hours. You spend 16 hours a day. Sometimes sleeping in the office twice a week, which which I had to do. Um, that, but it, it's it's a you know people chase their star and hope that maybe one day that they'll become a college coach. Also in college, it involves a lot of recruiting. Uh, you, they say you recruit or you perish, you know, and if you don't recruit good players, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how good a coach you are. You have to have, you have to have good players if, if, if you're going to win. So there's a, there's a big difference there. I mean, uh, I used to tell, I tell this to high school guys and said, listen, only 2% of all high school guys earn college scholarships. But the good thing about college scholarship, it pays for everything, room, board, books, tuition, everything. It even, even gives you money now. Uh, with the and all of the other stuff, the NIL stuff, I mean, you can actually make a living as being, which I don't agree with. You can make a living being uh, a college player, and and even on top of your scholarship and and giving you a degree. But uh, it it is a business, and they own you. I used to tell them, remember that college, that university, they're giving you a scholarship when they sign you, and you sign that NIL, which stands for National Letter of Intent. You can only sign one of those. When you sign that. They actually own you. So they tell you that once you're there at one o'clock uh, for a meeting, you have to be there at one. If they tell you you have to be on a practice field for three, if they tell you you need to be in, a, in, in the weight room at 530 in the morning on Tuesday and Thursday, you have to be there. They actually own your time. They tell you also when you have to take your classes. Now, there's exceptions to those rules because if they're labs and stuff, they work around that. But most of the time they said, well, listen, I would like all your classes to be done by one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, so there's a trade-off there, but the the bottom line the bottom line is that there's a big difference between high school and college, and it's just a little bit more pressure in college to, to have success. Um, but but you know I shouldn't say that because in high school the pressure is self-imposed. You know it, you put the pressure on yourself, but I don't think there's anything better than a Friday night lights. I don't think there's anything better than the intensity of a big ball game on Friday uh, and and winning because it involves so much as a community and you see kids, you see you see parents. You see the, the alumni, you see the, the faculty, and you see them basically on a daily basis. But uh, but um, bottom line, I wouldn't trade the high school coach for, for anything. And, Coach, and let's go ahead and move on to our Thanks for the Memory segment where you want to talk about some great plays from the past. So, Coach, can you tell us what those plays are and how they impacted the game? Well, I'm going to eliminate a, 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 a lot of great plays over, you know, 50-something years uh, Jay, so, and I hope that people don't get mad at me, but I, I'll just start off. And uh, when I was a head coach, I started off with 1970, um, 75 in the state championship game. Uh, we were playing, uh, Luster was playing, and, and we called a we called a tackle tackle eligible pass. 
tackle eligible pass and and at first the, the, it was called and I was I was the offensive coordinator then and, and the coach said are you crazy and they said we called it I said well they called a timeout we saw the alignment that they had we saw it was there so sure enough we, we ran tackle eligible pass and went for a touchdown so that was a, that was a big moment and the guy that caught it was a guy by the name of Keith Shower. Uh, 1977, we had a quarterback by the name of Ken Vickner. We talked about in this program before. He threw to a, a good friend of mine, Buckwheat Clayton, um, with four seconds left to go in the ball game in a muddy field. Two defenders went up to catch it. He caught. He was behind him. He catches it, runs for a touchdown. We win the game, 13, 13 to, to seven. Uh, Ken Vickner again, the pass to St. James, with eight seconds left to go in the game again. That Buckwheat Clayton on the corner ball, and we win that ball game. Came back from a twenty, a 20 nothing deficit to win that ball game. Um, Larry Fauche in 1978, state championship game. Scoop and score, picked up a fumble, ran it in for a touchdown. Uh, Larry Fauche went a, a great sponsor with LS, LSR, uh, which was a big hero in that game. We went on to win the state championship on one of the coldest nights you've ever been a part of. Uh, John Howard uh, broke up a pass at St. Charles Catholic, a two-point play against St. James against a, a guy that was that was going to the University of Idaho, the D1 receiver at six foot two, and he was only five foot seven. How he broke it up, we don't know, but it was a two-point play. Uh, Jared Noel was a, a guy. Who, he ran down the fastest player in the state from St. James, sent us to the Superdome. Uh, they ran a reverse on the very last play of the ball game. No one could catch him. And somehow or another, uh, Jared was actually on the ground on the 50-yard line, got up and chased him down. And uh, and, and, and the case robot made him chop his feet. And we tackled the guy on the three-yard line, and uh, or else we'd have, we'd have lost that ball game. Casey Robottom, uh, with 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 uh, ten seconds left to go in the halftime, uh, they, the Riverside Academy punted to him, and Casey took the ball and ran it all the way for for a touchdown. We, we didn't at the time we didn't anticipate the punt, but it was a seventy-yard touchdown uh, that Casey Robottom had. He went on to play at Tulane, had a phenomenal career. Elliot Prier, uh, wide receiver at Jesuit High School, uh, with less than a minute to go in the game, he just. He just runs down a pass and completed an 80-yard touchdown pass, an incredible finish to a game to beat Brother Morton uh, way back when. I don't remember the, the date there. Mike Smith, a guy that is still coaching now, played at Kansas State, the great receiver for us. Uh, against, he and Ricky Shinova against St. Aug combined for one of the, the greatest of pass combinations we've ever had. Uh, and we beat St. Olga at, 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 at Ted Gorman Stadium on a, on a packed house. And and, um, and uh, that was a great, great experience. Greg Keller, a big tight end that went on to play at University of Florida from Jesuit High School against Shaw High School. A big upset at Shaw High School when they had a dominate. In fact, Shaw went on to win the state championship that year. And uh, Greg was a, was a great tight end for us. Uh, John White that throws it against a, a pass to David Deckerel uh, against uh, River Oaks and and at Riverside, and John was the quarterback. Riverside Decker was a tight end, and he catches a 60-yard touchdown pass. It was a short pass, but David Decker, for some reason, outran everybody, and uh, he really wasn't the fastest guy on the field. But that led to the big, big win to get uh, the Riverside to the state championship game. Ben Sellers, game-winning field goal versus E.D. White. I remember it like it was yesterday. All the, the team on their knees. Uh, on the side and holding hands, and Ben just drilled it from the left hash mark, and it was a 40-yard field goal. We ended up winning that football game, and, and after the, the stands emptied, uh, Jeffrey Hall and Donnie Savoy touchdown pass against the 
Parkview Baptist. Never, uh, offense coordinator, Coach Ty uh, Monica walks up to me and says, uh, Dad, put Jeffrey Hall in number 17. That's exactly what we did. It, it wasn't a, a great coaching strategy, but uh, Donnie threw the ball as far as he could. Jeffrey Hall catched it, and that, that led to a big win. Uh, and and uh, in, that, in that same ball game, though, we had uh, Donnie also fourth down and 16 completed a pass. Uh, to, to over the, over the middle, uh, to, to actually to, to one of his, his best friends, and uh, and so it, it it ended up being a 17 yard gain, and uh, we ended up going on to to win the state championship and and, and winning that 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 ball game right there, and um, it was a, they also uh, Richard Kern, I got to go way back to Judge, my first year there. He ran down a running back from Terrebonne, running into the end zone. He broke loose. Richards could probably run 5-2 at best. He ran him down and tackled him on a two-yard line. Our defense went out there and held him out of the end zone. We ended up winning that ball game 14-7. How he caught that running back, I don't know to this day. And uh, naturally, that, that was a, a – a, a big, um, a big uh, win for us, and also the state championship game in, in, in 2011. Uh, Scott Western intercepted a pass against Amy to preserve to preserve that uh, that uh, that win. So that was some big moments in in the history of my, my career. Then there were a lot of others uh, that, that, that the players I did not recognize. I just I really need to go through my schedule and purge all those out because uh, thanks guys for for those particular memories because you guys did it and certainly gave us a lot of recognition. Thanks, Coach. And yeah, there's um, definitely a few more you could have added. I, I watched um, the semifinal game, Dumas throwback pass uh, as he ran to the end zone. That was a heck of a play, too. Um, to list one of the, the many um, in your career. But, Coach, let's go ahead and look at our lock of the week uh, this week. And who are you liking uh, in this week's games? Coach, I'm going to go with, with- – Marshall over UConn. I think uh, UConn has struggled a little bit. I think Marshall was on a roll in, in a bowl game, so I'm going to go with Marshall over UConn. And, Three and I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with UTSA, Coach. I, I, I've won with them a few times this year. Uh, UTSA plus two against Troy. They have a solid defense, and I just uh, I'm a fan of the Roadrunners. So we're going to go that way. But before we head out of here, Coach, before we read the social media and everything like that, we want to go ahead and make sure we once again. Take the time to thank our sponsors for allowing us to be here, allowing us to do this show and getting to enjoy each other's company for the last um, 14, well, 16 weeks, however many weeks. We've, it's been, again, it's our 15th show, but we've been doing it for uh, for even longer than that. So we had a, a few practice runs. But, again, we want to thank our sponsors, um, Ocado and Dufresne Law Firm, Louisiana Sugar Refining, Riverlands Insurance, Acadia Services, R&K Construction, A3M Vacuum Services, Smoothie King, and ULCS. We want to thank all those guys for allowing us to have this opportunity, allowing us to be here and present this show to you guys. And we thank you so much for allowing us to do what we do. No, no question, guys. And thank you so much on behalf of Jason and myself. Uh, we wish you a great Merry Christmas and and hope that uh, you, you guys can be supportive of us in, in the future. But thank you so much. We would not have a show. It would not be for you guys as sponsors. And uh, it went extremely, extremely smoothly this year. So hope that you can continue to be a part of our program. And again, we want to thank you guys so much. But before we head out, we want to go ahead and make sure you know where to find our show. Uh, again, you can follow us on Facebook at the Let's Be Frank Video Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at DLBF Podcast. You can also listen to us on YouTube, Spotify, 
Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher, and that'll do it. So, Coach, um, any final thoughts uh, on the the podcast game? How did you think the the first season went? Again, uh, it wasn't wasn't always the smoothest at times, but again, we we made it through and persevered, and uh, it's been a lot of fun doing this. But what's your what's your first year recap on podcasting in general? Well, I think I, I enjoyed it tremendously. I got a chance to get to voice out there to be heard with some issues that have been very very important to you and sacred to you um i, I do need to upgrade upgrade my ipad I, I got this mickey mouse ipad here you know so i need to get one better maybe maybe i'll go to the show station and get one for fill up or something but uh i gotta improve this one but it, but but jason thanks to you and and justin you know our producer this has been really really a lot of fun and I hope that we can we can do this. And I just hope I'm on this side of the, the grass next year also. And uh, and we've got a chance to, to, to share some more stories. And there's nothing like talking sports and talking, especially football. Yeah, and you, as you mentioned, Justin, uh, we, I've mentioned his name at the end of every podcast, but Justin does all the technical work. Um, he's watching us now. And again, edits does, does some masterful things with the editing job. There's been, <laughs> been some issues we've had that, uh, he, he turns into gold. So, again, thank you so much to Justin. And of course, Coach, thank you for allowing me to be here with you. Um, no question. Me to be yeah, I like Justin because yeah, I, I like him because he laughs at my jokes. So, I mean, <laughs> they, yeah, and, uh, Merry, Christmas, Merry Christmas to you guys, okay? Yeah, and uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Again, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. So, for Justin Thomas, for Head Coach Frank Monica, I'm Jason Dewey. And remember, Leslie, Leslie Bolton, Label of the Good Times Roll. God bless everybody.